Welcome to Step Up, the podcast where we learn to advocate like a woman. I'm your host, Ellen Troxclair. Each week, we talk to a different leader about how she became active in policy and politics. Whether it's joining an organization or running for office, I hope you come away feeling not only supported and inspired, but determined to step up and be a part of shaping your community and country. Hi, I'm Ellen Troxclair, and I'm here with Yvette Harrell, uh, who is a former New Mexico state legislator and current candidate for Congress. That's right. That's Welcome. Right. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to, to talk with me today. Well, I appreciate you having me. Yeah, it's such an um, inspiration just to see women going after it at all at all levels of government. Uh, you've served, you served 10, 10 years? Eight years. Eight I years. served eight years. I had actually worked in Santa Fe uh, at our capital two years before I ran for office, uh-huh. just so I could understand the process and kind of learn what I was getting myself into, actually. Um, but yes, and then I ended up serving for eight years. And uh, so good luck in the in your congressional race. We may talk more about that later in the podcast. But That'd be great. Uh, for now, let's start kind of back at the beginning and tell me, Tell me how you originally got interested or involved in policy and politics. Yeah, you know, I don't know that this is a really unique story, but I I believe it may have hit home with a lot of people. But after 9-11, you know, for me in my mind and my heart, I knew I knew our country, our world actually was changing in a way that I wasn't sure of. I think there was doubt and uncertainty all over the place. And it really made me uh, really look to reestablish my relationship with God in my church. And I grew up as a Christian in a Christian home, but had, you know, not gone to church as much, not been as committed. Um, So certainly 9-11 made me want to revisit that relationship. But I also at that moment understood that the world was changing and it really is mattering. It will matter who makes the decisions for us on every level of government because I felt as though we're going to see changes happen on the national level and I wanted to be involved and engaged and know you know who is making that decision that I have to live with and so that inspired me to both get engaged in church again re-engage and um, to also get involved with the Republican Party I thought that was the right step um, so I, of course, started attending the meetings, mm-hmm. ended up really following policy on the local state level, um, worked on several candidates' uh, campaigns, and just and just kind of dove in so that I could see if I had a problem or questions, I knew what candidate or what elected official to go to for answers. Yeah, so it was really, 9-11 was a wake-up call for you in, a, really in a lot of different ways. And I think it was for many people around the nation, um, but for me... I just knew things were changing and I wanted to be, I did not want to sit on the sidelines. I wanted to be active. I wanted to be involved. I wanted a voice that would be heard. And I have been a real advocate of who is making the decisions that affect me. And so obviously uh, that inspired me to go to work in our capital before mm-hmm. I ran for office. And then the seat that I ran for in House District 51 in my community, uh, the legislator that held that seat, she announced that she would resign. Uh-huh. And so that was a great opportunity. And I had many people ask me to run and it was great. And of course, then it turned into a primary, but it's okay. We won. And so being, wait, being, she asked you to run. No, the people asked me to run. Okay. And then, and then she, cause she wasn't going to run. She wasn't going to. And, and then, then after she, I announced and got she in, she said she was going she to, came so back you, in. you thought you were running in an open seat. 
Correct. And you ended up running against a longtime an incumbent. Eight, an 18-year incumbent. Oh, my gosh. But you know what? The timing, I think, was right. Um, and again, I had gotten engaged. I was following policies. I was following issues. And, and she was a great woman. Um, but I think there was a hunger that an appetite for maybe somebody younger, somebody with a little bit more energy, somebody who really was paying attention a little closer to the policy issues and, and so forth. And it was a lot of work. I knocked on, you know, over 10,000 doors. It took me a year and a half to campaign, campaign, and it worked. But um, I'm passionate about serving. And for me, it's always been and always will be people above politics. Right. I mean, we see that so often where there's campaign promises made, sometimes kept, sometimes not. And, you know, I'm about relationships. I'm about building relationships with constituents. I'm not concerned about which party because I understand it takes everybody to come together to figure out ways that will will find solutions. You know, we got to find ways that we can all work together in finding solutions that work for our future, for right. our country, for our eco- economics, for everything. It's it's really refreshing. I, I you know a lot of times after you you speak in a more kind of genuine and authentic voice when you're someone when you're a new candidate who hasn't been in elected office, right. and then kind of the longer you're in office, sometimes politicians kind of turn into that right. uh, can talking points mode. Right, right. And um, it's really refreshing to talk to you and hear you. I mean, you yeah. you are speaking just like a. a you, with with the passion that I imagine, the same passion that you had. Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah. However many years ago when you initially ran. Right. I mean, I've not changed. I'm very transparent. I'm just Yvette Harold. You, you know, I'm a, I'm a. If I tell you I'm going to do it, then we're going to do it. Um, and I think that we do see some people in elected off, uh, positions get a little complacent. And I'm I'm a fan of term limits. I mean, we do not yeah. have term limits in New Mexico. Oh really? And I feel as though that. I believe that would keep the uh, the legislative body fresh. Mm-hmm. I think it would keep it innovative. I think it would keep it more in tune with what's happening because the culture changes. I mean, things are shifting and changing all the time. Technologies, everything. Right. And I think that that would ensure that we have people that are elected to office that number one want to be there it's not about the title and would really want to leave their their eight years or ten years or whatever the term limit is you know kind of leave that legacy of things they were able to accomplish and so i i think that's very important um but we don't have that but i think we as legislators then need to keep each other accountable and hold each other accountable and you know we see it everywhere people that have been in office for 20 30 years and even on the federal level that's That's unfortunate because I think then you get into a rut and there's no room for new ideas or fresh positions. And we've seen now we're watching (laughs) on the federal level, you know, bills that were introduced five or six years ago that were good ideas that Democrats voted for are now you know they're divisive um now right. they won't support you know and it's it's kind so of like, sometimes why are that we fresh changing? i mean mm-hmm. i think it's just human nature it's kind of impossible to not be affected not be changed right after being in office for 20 or 30 years people treat you differently people right. put you on a pedestal right. you're not um you know depending on whether you're in a part-time or a full-time elected position right. job you're 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 sometimes not in the community continuing to work with people you're um you get into a bubble of of the the government and um, you even, know there's lobbyists right. and, the, and even and the elected officials get you know right. that complacency yeah um, and I think we've seen complacency with with voters I think over the years you know there was a a time when you know the economy's growing we're doing good as a nation where our schools are ranked in the top ten worldwide our you know we have all these things going and I think um, people 
get complacent, they get busy with their lives, with their kids, with their businesses, and then all of a sudden you look up one day and we're looking at policies that have been very uh, detrimental to some of our industries. Mm -hmm. And I'm from the Western states, um, so our makeup and the way we make a living in our states are very different from the Eastern states, but you know, we have a lot of ranching, rural communities, ranching, farming that have been regulated almost to death, you know, with water rights, with um, with government overreach, with our forest management, with, you know, endangered species where we're seeing, you know, horny toads and snakes and prairie chickens um, protected far beyond what our economy can even handle because we're dependent on some of these natural resources for not only our state budget, but clearly for the national um, right. economy as well. Yeah. So it's just a complacency, and um, we tend to see government growing larger than I think most would like to see it. And we need to limit the size and scope of government. Our Constitution was very clear, and I think, I believe, partly the reason the government is so huge right now is because we've kind of been complacent over years. I mean, yeah. it's not just 10 years. I'm right. talking many years. So it's time to... I think really take a hard look at what our constitution says. Let's bring let's bring conversations back to the table where we can really make some solutions that can help because there's enough divisiveness, enough of the issues that are going to be polarizing and divisive, but there are many more things I believe that we can work on together to find creative solutions that benefit everybody. Right. Yep, I, I think I think that's so true. And you know, it, it that is one of the things that we that I hope to accomplish through this podcast is is talking about why it is so important that we have regular, good-hearted right. uh, people getting involved because it it and I understand why it's so difficult. People are people are busy. There's so much. Uh, it, people are busy. People, busy. It, people are busy, busy. and um, and it's easy. And and the federal government grabs so much of our attention, especially with uh, with Trump in the White House. You know, right. the, new, the news cycle is is constantly about him and not uh, as much about kind of local or state politics, right. where a lot of the work is is really done. Um, right. So how was how was campaigning for you? Because I know that's a hesitancy. I mean, although there are many ways for uh, for women to get to get off the sideline, as as we talked about earlier, and get involved, and whether that's uh, joining a local club or going to a party meeting or sure. whatever it is. Uh, obviously, you're the way that you got. Well, that's how you originally got involved, but yes. then ultimately it led to you running. Um, right. But that's you know running for office is intimidating for it is. for a lot of people, especially. The first time, you know, it's when you don't have hard. any experience, you don't know what to expect. That, uh, what was tough. that? What was that like for you? You know what? And I, I'm glad you asked because I, you know, I just tried to approach it as, all right, I know when the, I'm starting this and I know the day that it ends as far as the election. And then I knew then that would be the chapter two, you know, win or lose. And right. I was fortunate I won. But, you know, it is intimidating. But here's what I found fascinating. You're going to meet all kinds of people. Um, you're going to have the opportunity to have conversations at the front door. And then you start realizing, gosh, you know, people are t thinking the same thing I am or they feel the same. Right. You know, now one, two, two things I can tell you is interesting in, in my state where I ran the first time for the house seat, the New Mexico house seat. Um, I see that a lot of times people have a difficulty differentiating between state and federal law. Yeah. Because there would be a Absolutely. lot of questions asked of me on the uh, from the, the, the voter 
but it was actually more of a uh, federal issue. And I remember thinking, you know, government's just government. Some people just run it all together, mm-hmm. and I understand that. But, but at the same time, I had some amazing experiences, and I had one that was just incredible. It sticks with me to this day, and I love telling this story because it, it is quite interesting. But I, I knocked on doors because people like that one-on-one contact, yep. and I felt... You know, I'm running against an incumbent, won that. Now I'm trying to win the first time, you know, and I wanted to make sure that I, you know, Republicans held that seat. And if there's one thing you have to do to win an election, you the candidate has no- to be willing to, to knock on people's doors, yes. introduce themselves, tell them why they're running and earn their vote, right? right? And it's intimidating, but you got to do it. And uh, so I was knocking on doors, knocking on doors. Now, at this point, I'm knocking on independents, Democrat, Repo- you know, everybody's door. And I knocked on a door and I had the person's name, you know, so I knew who I was talking to and I knew their party affiliation. So it wasn't a Republican. But when he answered the door, the one, it was an older gentleman and I felt he had, his skin was beautiful. I mean, he, his, he just had a beautiful complexion, but right away I said, I'm Yvette, gave him my spiel and, uh, he was not very pleasant. You know, why are you running? Why are you a Christian? Well, what makes you believe in God? And just really trying to, you could tell he almost was going out of his way to try to pick a fight. And in my mind, mm-hmm. I thought, he's not going to vote for me. Just need to move on, get right. off the porch and move on. And, uh, and find- kudos to you for knocking on Democrat's door to begin with, right? Because yeah. you, yeah. you, you knew votes. you needed to earn every vote and you weren't just going, you were... That's right. Yep. And our, uh, my district was actually 67% Republican, but I wanted those Democrat votes. So I'm in my mind thinking, I got to get off this gentleman's porch. He's never going to vote for me. And um, I think he then tried to really intimidate me. And he said, well, I'm going to a gay and lesbian party tonight at the governor's mansion, which I actually had heard that was happening. But I knew that my mouth was about to just drop right. You know, I was just going to have this shocked he, look he on my face. He was saying that to try to incite you. I think he was. Try, yeah. Oh, yeah. He yeah. was trying to, you know, he could tell I was never had held office. So he knew this was a new adventure for me knocking on doors. And I think he was just trying to use anything he could say to intimidate me or, you know. As soon as he said that, the only thing that I could get out of my mouth at that moment was, what kind of moisturizer do you use? Your complexion is beautiful. And you know what? The mood changed instantly. He actually says to me, Neutrogena. And wow. he goes through the next, I'm not kidding, that I was couldn't wait to get off his porch. The next five minutes, he literally tells me his entire skincare routine, the Neutrogena. We actually had a really good visit. We didn't talk about politics anymore. We really did talk about Neutrogena. <laughs> I left, but yeah. here's what here's the blessing. A couple of days later, I was still in that general neighborhood knocking on doors, and this car pulled up to me as I was drive, uh, walking down the sidewalk, and it was him. And he rolled down the window, and he said, hey, I voted for you. And I said, hey, I bought some Neutrogena. Uh. And so I... I I just smile about that story because what it made me realize is, you know what? If we keep talking long enough with people, we will find the common Common ground. ground, No matter what. Even if it's skincare. Great skincare. And you know what? I've I've seen him since I was elected. And I've actually asked him about some different policies that might be interesting to him or things that we could think about in terms of bringing good solutions that work for the community. Mm -hmm. And all it took that day was, I'm just glad I didn't turn around and just just walk off his front porch frustrated. And I'm not saying every household is like that or every constituent but you know both I don't you know both state federal government we've got to be able to have the conversations and not dig our feet in 
and just have it one way or the other. There's plenty of things that we can um, have very strong uh, opinions on, but at the same time, we've got to work together to find really great solutions for the future of our country and yeah. for our, the future of our generations, our kids. Yep, yep. Uh, well, that's such a, I, I love that story. Yeah. Um, and, and it's great that you continued, it wasn't just that day that you earned his vote, um, you continued to reach out for him, right. to him, and, I do. And, you, and, and you probably earned his vote in the next election and right. the next election after that. Right. I think so. I mean, I held the seat for uh, eight years in New Mexico. And then, of course, I had to give up my uh, house seat in the New Mexico legislature to run for the congressional seat, which we did. We ran in 2018. And, you know, that was a, a very different race altogether from a state race. Um, you learn a lot. It's it's almost like creating a company because, you know, when you first start out, you're doing it on your own. And then the next thing you know, you've got lots of volunteers and people that are engaged and helping you and it's, you know raising money and all this and um, I, I absolutely appreciate serving I love connecting with people I obviously I'm not shy I like to talk um, and so for me just building those relationships but I had a real um, opportunity and a kind of a leg up for myself because after serving for eight years in the house I didn't just limit myself as a state legislator to my house district because I had a very compact literally just my city the city of Alamogordo I actually worked way outside the district on a lot of the issues that were important to rural New Mexico uh, you know the the endangered species water rights all these different things because I knew that even though my district votes me in or out of office my vote affects everybody in the state mm-hmm. That's and so very true. Yeah, so I don't. I know legislators. I have friends that are legislators that say, "Hey, if they don't live in my district, I don't even talk to them." And I'm thinking, "Oh my goodness, how? How is that possible? Uh, yeah. Because your vote affects everybody." everybody. Um, and so to get engaged and understand what's important to our ranchers, our farmers, our chili producers is just as important as what's happening over on the east side where we have two counties in our state that are the top oil producers in the nation. So we've got a diverse uh, congressional district yeah, yeah, and a diverse economy. So you have to be willing to understand what works in one area of the state may not even be an issue in the the other part of the state, but we've got to somehow come together and figure out how. uh, I'm big on let's protect our economies. Let's limit the size of government. Let's allow people to make a living, educate their children the way they want to. Let's not think we need to go down the road of Medicare for all because it's not affordable. We can't work with that. Um, we need to be making, you know, very good, you know, policy decisions. I'm disappointed our federal government has not moved on the USMCA trade agreement uh, legislation. That's huge for New Mexico and it's huge for the country. Um, these are the kind of things that we could be pushing forward and actually having some great results, but we're not having that happen. And the gridlock in Washington, we're the losers. Everybody's the loser until they can start getting some things done. And um, these are the kinds of things as a nation we should be pushing forth, regardless of who's sitting in the White House. If these are policies that that will strengthen our economies and our businesses and our country, we need to be we need to be pushing forward on those. And so I, I hope that they'll take that up when they come back from the August recess. So you'll be on the ballot in November 2020. Yes. So I ran in 2018. We were actually declared the winner on election night. Um, an hour after, I mean, CNN, uh, Fox News, everybody in the country d- declared us the winner. And um, everybody in New Mexico went to bed 
thinking I had won the race. And about an hour after we had made our acceptance speech, our Secretary of State had called our campaign and indicated that the one liberal county in this district had found first, they said, 4,000 absentee ballots. Um, and then, you know, we knew mathematically we would still win. But an hour later, they had found 4,000 more, so a total of 8,000. So New Mexico got caught up in that craziness that we saw in California, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, you know, Minnesota, North Carolina, Florida. Um, it, it was just such a – it was devastating because, you know, everyone had assumed and thought and had heard that we won. And yeah. then to have that overturned – and we did end up um, – filing a petition in court and impounded the absentee ballots. We did a, a really deep dive and, and we in fact put out a report that really showed the irregularities and some of the problems we see now with absentee ballot. It's just so easy to 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 get those through and maybe not have all the correct information. We saw ballots that had voters that hadn't lived in New Mexico for years, ballots that weren't signed. We had 577 absentee ballots, date and time stamped the next day after the polls closed. I mean, there it was just, it was just um, amazing the amount of irregularities and fraud that we saw. But the blessing is, I decided, you know what? I can either be angry over this, or I can figure out ways to find solutions and answers and bring voter integrity and voter confidence back. And that's exactly what we did. And the amount of support statewide and even nationally in some ways that we had people encouraging, I mean, the cards, prayers, texts, phone calls, the encouragement, people saying, you know, we this wasn't fair to New Mexico. Right. So that's why we came out and announced early on. Um, but we also... Now, that report ended up um, being given to everybody, and the Heritage Foundation actually took a, kind of a real interest in it, and the date got the Daily Signal involved, and they wrote an amazing article just kind of covering. And I think what made New Mexico a little bit easier to digest was we're talking 8,000 ballots versus, you know, 200,000 right. in Arizona. Smaller. And, right, so people could really look at this report and see the irregularities, point to the issues and uh, what some of the problems were. But as a result of that um, report we did, we were able to get a bill amended in our state legislative session last year that actually detailed, outlined how the absentee um, board would have mm -hmm. to look at the absentee ballots, what information is required. Um, so we have something now to point to. So the absentee board can allow you know, ballots to come through that don't have the name, the address, the year of birth, and a signature. And, and it's those issues that keep you, keep you motivated, you know, even after you've served so many years, you're still clearly passionate and articulate and and motivated to continue yeah. continue the work that that you've started right so, I mean I I 9-11 was uh, a tragedy but um, you being inspired to get involved and uh, get off the sideline right right and and to make a difference in your community and for your state uh, is, is, is a blessing. So it, it was, it, it, for me, it was that way. And now looking back, I know there are things every day happening that, 
that should inspire, that should en- should be engaging enough. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I just hope it, as people start listening to your podcast and they can start thinking of ways they can get more engaged, I, I think, you know, it's just, it's all about the people. You know, that's what it really is. Politics is, is just taking a, a front and center stage. But guess what? If we take politics out of it, it's just people. And that's what we need to be having the conversations about and with and for. I love that. Well, so. thank you so much for your service to the state. Good luck. Thank you. And uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much. I appreciate this. Do you have a story or a question you want answered? Send me a note at ellen at stepuppodcast.com. Also, give Step Up a rating and review in Apple Podcasts so we can reach and inspire more women. Don't forget to subscribe. I'm Ellen Troxclair. Thanks for listening. Now go advocate like a woman.